What is up, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast, and I am here with an old friend, Justin Herbert, Dr. Justin Herbert now. Thanks, sir. Very recently. Yes, yes. Or as we used to say back in the day, Justin Huber from Herbert Heights (laughs) Wayne. Uh, Never got old, did it? Every no. time we pass that exit on the highway, it'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you're from. For four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were like the only two. Were we like the only two locals in college? Yeah, we had McCaw for a while. Oh, my yep, freshman yep. year, but then he left. Yep. Um, and had then Ben Boyer was from like Springboro or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right? Graham or somewhere out there. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much everybody else is kind of from farther away, so. Yeah, we would drive by I my house. I wasn't quite as local as you. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, but it's like five again, minutes down the road. Was, so. That's true. That's true. I was as local as you could get. Yeah, yeah, you were pretty so, local, bro. Yeah, across the street from high school to college. <laughs> literally across the street. Yeah. It's a, so. it's, a, it's a tough transition. You know, that that crosswalk is a little tricky over by Faith Hall. So. <laughs> Watch out, man. Might get snatched outside of Faith Hall. <laughs> It's a dangerous place, <laughs> unlike Huber Heights. Super safe there. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's jump into <clears throat> a little bit of the contrast between Cedarville and where you grew up. So tell us a little bit about yourself, and then just dive right into that. Yeah, cool. So um, uh, you know, 33 years old, been uh, coaching and running and around track and field for longer than I can remember at this point and uh, seems like longer than I've been alive really I don't know uh, but um, grew up uh, in the Dayton area just uh, Riverside Huber Heights you know Dayton uh, greater Dayton area and um, definitely a very different environment than, than uh, small town Cedarville and so <laughs> that transition was definitely interesting and and um you know, learning to, man, that first semester at Cedarville was tough, man. I I was probably as close as you could be to somebody, you know, who wanted to drop out of school and, and not continue that. But running really was the difference for me. I, I probably would not have graduated college if it weren't for our team. And, mm. um, You're and my grades were fine. It's not the, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, um, you know, my, my, it's not that I was a bad student or anything like that. It's just that I wasn't invested in that. I was invested in running. I was invested in our team. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think you guys knew that that was my to a fault sometimes. Like I'd put that before everything else most of the time. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, that's kind of why I do what I do now, because I, I had such a, a formative experience as a college athlete that mm-hmm. I wanted to, uh, help provide that experience for, uh, more student athletes. So nice. So how long have you been coaching? Yeah. So I started coaching in, um, in June of 2010 is when I got my first job. And so working on 10 years, which is, nice. uh, unbelievable really. Cause I feel like it's kind of hard for me to think about our experience in college and think that that was like, dude, like 15 years ago. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Man, we're getting old fam. Yeah. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I'm 33 this year, too, so it's crazy. Yeah. I, We're getting up there, bro. <laughs> uh, I don't feel like it until, like, the day after a hard workout, and I'm like, oh, why Why do my calves hurt? All I did was walk yeah. yesterday. Like, what's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, why do I still do this? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> my my <laughs> this is a genuine response y'all i haven't told him this yet ever really so the first time that we met uh we were with uh with good old nick swikert who i had on the oh. podcast not too long ago um I love that, guy. that dude is killing it right now he just yeah, went like 15 10 i think something yeah. like that in a road race the dude is He's out there, man. He's but a anyway, stud, man. Yes, he is. So we were all on the same junior Olympic team together. And I remember it was right before, I think, the state meet 
which was up at uh, Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we were all staying at the same hotel, but I think you were staying with your parents. And I was just like, this dude needs to settle down. He is <laughs> bouncing off the wall. I'm like, we are racing tomorrow. <laughs> and you were just like, oh, like seemingly jumping off of walls in hallways. And I was just like, oh my gosh. I'm like, your hair was crazy. And my hair was crazy too, but I was like, this guy's hair is extra crazy. I did. And, Big curly afro. It was a good day. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, man, I, I don't I don't know about this guy. I don't like him. <laughs> I think he needs some discipline. Maybe he should go into the military. And like, I remember my dad being like, who is this guy? And I was like, I don't know. I've, I've never met him before, dad. And uh, but yeah, so it was I was shocked to say the least. And then uh we, we raced there and then i don't think we had another race until nationals um, yeah we didn't it was that that meet and then that was so i was actually second at that meet finished second yeah. place at that state meet to all done Myers. nice and uh scotty scotty kicked my butt that day and no uh, and then we went to and then we went to nationals and i pretty much ran just as well there really yeah uh, except i kicked your butt you and everyone else in that field. <laughs> I think we we were a little brash though, right? Like we had a pretty good team, and we were talking about like, hey, we thought we could go up there and podium. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, that altitude was no joke, boy. I think yeah. I I think I ran like sixteen twenty at that state meet, and then I came back and I think I ran like eighteen forty at the at the national yeah. meet. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think. I think that was uh, that was really good for me. You know, that was that was a nice ego boost for me to like pass a whole bunch of people who are way faster than me, <laughs> and uh, then be like, yeah, come on, come on, hoping that you know you wouldn't when I tried to, <laughs> to pull you along. I do remember that you came by me and you were like, come on, Herb, let's go, and I was like, <laughs> trying to breathe. Like, I can't breathe. I'm gonna just like, coast in. I don't know how much air is here. I feel like none currently. There's no so. air. Yeah. I think I was underwater at the time, so uh, <laughs> not not my not my favorite race experience to say the least. But uh, hopefully your opinion of me changed over four years of college. Maybe yeah. it didn't. I don't know, but I think yeah. so. No, it, it definitely did. And then seeing seeing the transition you've made from college into what you're doing now and progressing to get your PhD, I'm like, oh wow. He's really doing something. I'm so proud yeah, of that guy. Grow, growing up a little bit, you know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, 30, 33 years old, I figure I should start maturing eventually, you know, one yeah. of these days. So it's on my to-do list, you know what I mean? Good. Yeah. But I, I do, I credit, you know, Coach Orchard a lot for, for a lot of that. Like, he, he really uh, was a really formative influence for me. And like I said, it's, it's why I do what I do now. It's why I, you know, invest so much time and energy into, because, man, I, you know, coming out of Dayton, at just a, just an 18-year-old moron you know i didn't know anything about anything and uh, all i knew was all i knew was sports man like i knew baseball and i knew running and i, I mean i just i just wanted to run and so mm-hmm. like when we went to that state meet out you know and we're running the the junior olympic state meet and like yeah it was hype man like this is i like i lived for that you know what i yeah. mean and, and you probably saw more of that in college i mean i really like i was there to run and, mm-hmm. and i was there for you guys i and, and I've always been kind of a team guy, so I get excited when I get new teammates. You know what I mean? Like, I, for me, a lot of people say running's not a team sport. I disagree entirely. I think running is the ultimate team sport, and and I'm definitely like a team guy. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. I feel like I've always been that way. Probably, like I said, maybe a little over exuberantly, but <laughs> cool with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess I'd rather I guess I'd rather go out that way, looking foolish as a teammate, than like, you know. But I do. I get overly excited. I still get excited for races. Although I'll tell you this, I never got nervous for races in college. Like I was mm-hmm. never like, I, I never got butterflies. I was never really. I would get amped, but not like nervous. But as a coach, yeah. I don't control it anymore. So now I'm nervous like all day, every day. You know? <laughs> well, you probably, new, yeah, you probably uh, build all that up, and then you don't get to step exactly. on the line. I don't and, get to run, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's like eh, all that energy is just pent up. It's yeah. got to get out somehow. and yeah. So, you know, I yell and people are like, who's that guy? And I'm like, eh, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, man, it was honestly a shock to me when I learned that you were going to Cedarville. Because I was like, 
that guy? What? No. Yeah. No. Like, up until that point, I think every other word out of your mouth was, like, a four-letter word that was yeah. <laughs> that was not allowed at the university at Cedarville. <laughs> so when I heard that you were going there, I was like, oh, he's he's going to transfer. This is going to be yeah. a short stay. So. Well, you know, I, I uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, met, met Jesus, like, uh, coming into my senior year of high school and, and was still... I mean, gosh, I went to college and I sat in a Christian life class with Michael Holt, my professor, who passed away shortly afterwards. But, uh, I mean, I didn't know nothing about nothing. man. I mean, this guy was talking about, like, basic scriptural references and, like, <laughs> I didn't know what this dude was talking about. So <laughs> I, I think it was pretty clear uh, to everyone at Cedarville that I was maybe from a, a slightly different background <laughs> than, your, than your standard Cedarville student um, yeah oh yeah but um <clears throat> but it was good for me and and uh I don't curse very much anymore and uh I think uh <laughs> uh you know kind of hopefully turn myself into a professional adult you know at least yeah. fooling these people for a while you know what I mean <laughs> so for sure you gotta fake it till you make it that's my motto that's right that's right I figure 10 or 12 more years I'll make it there eventually I can stop faking you know what I'm saying <laughs> exactly exactly but yeah, so it was, it was, like I said, quite a shock for me. But then once, once I came in my freshman year and I was like, oh, okay, like he's really serious about training, maybe more so than I think somebody should be when it comes to <laughs> accumulating volume and mileage, let's say. Yeah. But uh, that, that was just the kind of guy you were. Like it didn't take me long to realize like, you don't really care what somebody else's expectations are of you. Like you're going to put in work. And uh, even when Coach O says, hey, that's your last rep, you're like, uh, I'm going to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happened a few times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was like n- no one thought ever that you were weak let's say, or you were, you were not going to get the job done. Like you were going to gut it out. Like, um, if you were injured, you weren't faking it. If you were in the training room, it wasn't cause you wanted to be there so that you didn't have to do something else. Like everybody knew like, okay, like he's, he's probably injured because of all the mileage he's doing. Not because, <laughs> not because he, uh, you know, like rolled his ankle in, you know, running on trails because he wasn't used to it. Like, you know what I mean? So that was one of the things I really appreciated about you. And I think one of the reasons that, that you were, you know, captain was because like, like people could look up to you as an example of, of somebody who was willing to put in not just the minimum amount of work, but as much as you could. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I appreciate that. I could tell a quick, quick story. I actually, uh, I broke my hand in college. Because uh, Siobhan, Siobhan Fagan, our, our athletic trainer, mm-hmm. tried to hold me out of a meet one time because I had a, a stress reaction in my foot. You know what, <laughs> do you remember the Do you remember the ponds, like the you know the little plastic barrels that we used to ice bath in? And yeah. there were whatever those like AC units were, like the big metal. AC. She told me I couldn't race, and I punched it and I broke my hand. <laughs> so nice. if that doesn't if that doesn't like kind of sum me up, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but also like. It's nice to hear that. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest honors of my college career, which, I mean, I was no great runner or anything like that. I, I had some good races and things. But, uh, you know, I think the biggest honor of my career was when you guys voted to take me to nationals um, the year that I was redshirted and uh, instead of taking a, an additional alternate. And that was, you know, to me, getting that recognition from my team and, and these guys, like, realizing that, like, hey, man, like, we wouldn't be here if this guy wasn't, you know, putting this kind of work in with us. And, and I, I really appreciated that. And, uh, to this day, that's probably the biggest honor I've ever received in sports. So, uh, so, you know, I, I, when I say things like I'm a teammate, you know, like I, I think that comes across to the people that I work with. And I also have those same expectations of my athletes now. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm definitely a team first type of dude. And, uh, I think that comes from, you know, probably playing other sports growing up and things like that. But, uh, so we need a little more of that in the running community sometimes, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. Well, like you said, like running is so often viewed as an 
individual sport, but it's really hard to be consistently intense enough if you're running by yourself. Like when you've got guys and we had tons of guys on our team, like there were years we'd have 18, 20 guys and you know, half of them were walk-ons and, uh, but they'd show up every day and everybody was just trying to make everybody else better. So if you're having an off day, but you've got, you know, five, six other guys who are running right around the same level as you who are saying, like, if we're not running together on this workout, then it's going to be hard for us to run together in the race. So let's, you know, let's pack up and do our job or, you know, or get yeah. out of here. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Exactly. Well, some of those guys, you know, you look at like a Chris Vaughn, right, who came mm-hmm. in, like really wasn't a contributor. And boy, by the end of his time there was a, a stud. I mean, that guy was an absolute yep. baller. And it came from yep. that kind of mentality of like, you know, pushing yourself and uh, following the example of the older uh, classmates. And, uh, you know, I think you look at the tradition that Cedarville has established since since then, and it's just kind of gotten better and better. And, I, I, you know, I'm maybe it's a little bit uh prideful but i'd like to think that we kind of started that or helped start that and create that uh, that atmosphere and so uh, you know sure. uh, proud to be an alum of cedarville and, and proud of what their program is doing uh actually got the opportunity to watch uh, michalski uh in the division one uh steeplechase last year yeah take the lead and crash and burn but uh yeah man but he went for it crash and burn but uh he uh, you know it was cool to watch him and, and be there cheering him on and, and you know, it's nice to see track at that level. And, and, you know, I think a lot of us went that went to Cedarville at the time, NAIA, now Division Two, But, you know, we, some of us kind of missed out on that, like, Division One experience, you know. And, and mm-hmm. um, you know, so it's cool to coach at this level and kind of see that, hey, 400 meters is 400 meters. And, like, a track is a track. And yes. it's really not all that different. And, and so it's cool to kind of see that comparison. And, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's so hard to compare like a Division One basketball athlete with a Division Two, Division Three, or NAI basketball athlete. Like, yeah. you know, there's a difference, but like, yeah. you can objectively see the difference between a D1 100 meter runner and an NAIA 100 meter runner because yeah. you have the times time. Times. Yeah, exactly. And the thing so. is, is, like, like you saw that that Wayland Baptist point guard yesterday. I think scored 100 points in a basketball game. I mean, that's unbelievable. Oh my goodness. You know. But he's playing against the NAIA, so you say, yeah, you know. But like in in in, in track and field, you know, hey, ten one is ten one. You know, nine yeah. eleven in the steeple is nine eleven in the steeple. You know what I'm saying? So that's like, true. That, that, you know what I mean? Why so would you like, pick that number, Herbert? Why would you say that? Uh, I, I know somebody around <laughs> that. But uh, you know, I mean, that those things are times are times, and and there's there's a lot more objectivity in track and field than there is in other sports, which makes it kind of interesting to watch sometimes, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. So tell us a little bit about, uh, okay, I'm going to lead it, I'm going to lead it up this way because this is one of the reasons I wanted, I wanted to get you on the podcast because I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that I'd ever call you Dr. Herb. (laughs) So at what point, like I remember at Cedarville, when I found out that you were like education major, I was like, huh? Like he's going to teach kids. <laughs> like, he is a kid. Poor kids. Uh, yeah. But, but, uh, so what, what was the transition from a, what made you want to teach? And then B, at what point were you like, okay, I need to continue my education because I want to, I want to keep learning or like, what, what was it for you that, that made you want to get your PhD? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, uh, I love kids. And so I, I, I love working with like, especially that like bratty age, like fifth grade and ninth grade, like, you know, like you're, you're kind of adolescent, you know, young adults, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. Very awkward. They're just kind of starting to get into like sarcasm and like, you know, and they're stupid and I'm stupid. So we were late, you know, and, um, <laughs> my mom was a teacher growing up. Um, mm-hmm. she, she teaches, um, special ed in Springfield, not far from where you grew up. And, mm-hmm. um, so I've always, I've always had a passion for, uh, for teaching as far as like education. 
I don't know, honestly. Like, uh, I, I've always wanted to learn things. Like, I like knowing how things work. And so it's just kind of a driving force for me. Like, I don't like when somebody asks me a question and I don't know the answer. So mm. I, I've always tried to learn. What I don't love is standardized education. Like, I don't, I've never been a good, like, classroom learner. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can learn the things, but I generally teach it to myself or learning on my own. I'm not good at listening to somebody lecture and then translating that in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, after college, I, I got into coaching. Well, I, I taught for a year uh, at North Dayton School of Science and Discovery, which is a kind of ghetto charter school in Trotwood. And um, I went from there to Baton Rouge, where I was still trying to run. I was still trying to run marathons and stuff, which never really worked out the way I hoped. But um, I was training with a, with a club down there. I uh, worked for an AmeriCorps company called City Year and did like large scale service projects and mentoring of uh, kids, sixth to eighth grade. Nice. And then uh, had the opportunity to get into coaching. And what I realized very quickly in coaching is that, uh, man, you've got to have a master's degree to like move up. And so uh, I did that. I got my master's from the University of Cincinnati and it was incredibly challenging, uh, which was, yeah, I think most of my professors in uh, college and my teachers in high school would probably agree with you that uh, <laughs> if, if they had to rank the percentages of me being Dr. Herbert at any point <laughs> in my life, uh, pretty much would be a zero on that. Yeah, uh, pretty low. But I, but I really got into like urban policy, urban education policy and things like that and mm-hmm. uh, started studying and reading up on that. Uh, and then I, from there, got into like leadership development. And um, that's kind of what I centered my, my doctorate around. So my doctorate is in higher education, leadership, and management. Um, And I did my dissertation on uh, a a pilot leadership development program that I helped create here at Oral Roberts and uh, evaluating the effectiveness of that in terms of uh, leadership development practices and in terms of leadership self-efficacy growth. And so, um, you know, going through that and, and learning those things and seeing how it's applicable both to, like, my program in athletics and also to our athletic department as a whole has been really fun. And so I don't know that I could tell you like why I pursued that. Some of it is a God thing and, and uh, you know, timing and things like that. But some mm-hmm. of it is just, I just don't like not knowing things. And so just continuing to like try to learn and be better at my job really kind of led to me, uh, you know, becoming a doctoral student and then somehow finishing this dissertation, which was, like way tougher than any workout we ever did or any race I ever ran. Um, yeah. 137 pages or whatever. Of, ugh. So uh, <laughs> it's not the most exciting uh, document you'll ever read, but um, but it definitely has some good information in there, and it, it's definitely applicable to my job and to our school here. So, uh, yeah. So. Gotcha. So what are some takeaways from – either the, the process of doing that dissertation or the actual dissertation itself that um, that you found beneficial for, like, you specifically, but then also to your team? Yeah. So I think the, I think the big thing is that, you know, coaches and, and athletic department people, you know, you, you get this idea that, like, your job is coaching and recruiting and coaching and recruiting, and that's it. And it's, it's not. Your job is so much more than that. And you can really have an impact on young adults. Whether you're coaching at the high school level or at the college level, you can really have a formative impact, which, like I said, is kind of what I had with, with Coach O. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, think I stop this, by like, his office almost every time I'm home. And he's oh, always yeah, just like, I, hey, Kevin, how's it going? Here's a T-shirt. <laughs> From yeah. and I'm like sweet like every time I go I get a team shirt it's so awesome. <laughs> he uh, I usually go over to his house and he'll have like a bonfire or something and we'll you know I'll see the kids who are not kids anymore but it's it, crazy you know, they're all grown now and that is just that should be illegal but uh, <laughs> but it, they are uh, it's just cool to see him and Wendy and the family and, and mm-hmm. uh, but I think. You know, for me, it's it's this idea that like the way that you lead your team can influence the way that they lead later, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can you can establish um, principles in your team that uh, help them create leadership development practices. Like they can learn to lead, they can practice leading, and mm-hmm. um, and that's an important thing. And then there's also this idea of self-efficacy, right? Which is like 
confidence but directional, right? So like, like I can be a hundred percent confident that I can't run a four minute mile, right? I have like no, I my one hundred percent confident that I can't do that anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, however, um, self-efficacy is like something is like your confidence in your ability to do something, right? So you want to inspire these kids to lead and to know that they can lead and to believe that they can lead. And so you take them from like one level of like, okay, well, I've got some leadership experience to a level of like, I am a leader and I can do these things. And even if I'm not a hundred percent sure of what's going on, like I can figure it out, you know, uh, because you've got that, that innate self-efficacy in your, in your ability to lead. So that kind of is the, the big thing for me. Nobody's ever studied, um, like self-efficacy development in collegiate athletics uh, from a from like a quantitative point of view. There's a lot of like qualitative stuff, like surveys and interviews and things like that. But uh, mine was more quantitative and so more math-based and, and like, mm-hmm. hey, like it's not just this person's experience. There's like actual tangible evidence that like we're increasing their uh, their perceived self-efficacy when it comes to leadership, which uh, was a positive result for us and I think could be applicable to athletics on a wide scale long term that's really cool dude i think that you would enjoy talking with my mom because she's finishing up her phd right now and she's studying uh i think it's specifically uh, minority students and a subcategory of of minority students who are like thriving despite um you know obstacles that Right. you looking at on paper, you'd be like, oh, like there's no way that they should be doing well based off where they came from, where they went to school, um, all this other stuff. So I think, yeah, I think you'd enjoy conversing with her about that. That's I think cool. there's probably a That's lot cool. of crossover. So one of the uh, one of the big motivators in uh, in in finishing, you know, when you're working on a dissertation and, and now that I know that your mom is doing this, I'll reach out too. but like Judd Brooker's mom actually jane jane romick rooker she she was completing her doctorate at the same time that i was and she actually i think she'll officially graduate in may but she's actually finished her her process as well nice. she was really like encouraging and helpful um throughout that process i honestly didn't put a lot of this stuff on social media until it was done because i wasn't confident that i could do this even like towards the end that i could get through it that i could finish this and so um you know, when I finally shared it, it was because I was done. I'd actually like completed it, you know, and yeah, um, but she was really encouraging and really helpful. And so it's always good to have those like those people. And there, there is a surprising amount of overlap in, in uh, things when it relates to education and when it relates mm-hmm. to, you know, between athletics and and um, and kind of what your mom is probably in like an urban policy type of, you know, where you're, uh, looking at those uh you, you know, many obstacles that face just all kinds of the categories of students that come through different universities and stuff. So for sure. Very cool. Yeah. So um, let's transition a little bit to yeah. coaching specifically. So at what point did you know you wanted to be a coach? Yeah. You know, what's crazy is uh, I always wanted to coach and I thought I would coach at the high school level. And I thought I would be a teacher and I would coach because the coaches that I respected and admired and like looked after were high school coaches and, and teachers. Um, and the thing is, is like I, I knew Coach O and I knew Coach Bolander and I knew uh, Coach Scott and, and and but I never really considered that as something that was like a profession or something that I could do. I don't know. I did, it never crossed my mind that like I could do that for a living. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got the opportunity, obviously jumped at it and, um, you know, but I think I've always wanted to coach. I've always wanted to, to work with athletes in some way. Uh, college coaching was just kind of a, a gift that fell on my lap. But, you know, it's been great. Um, mm-hmm. Try to make the most of it, you know. For sure. Yeah, no, I, I knew pretty early on, I think in high school, that I wanted to work with athletes. And then in college, I thought, oh, I'm going to be a college coach. And then if that doesn't pan out, because it's really hard to, you know, like there's a lot of competition to be a college coach, then, you know, I can, I can coach high school. Like, that's fine. And, uh, you know, 
obviously I'm the best coach in the world. I'm going to set up a high school dynasty. I'm going to have <laughs> five consecutive years of state champs. And then every college is going to be like, please, Kevin, please come coach here. <laughs> so obviously that's what was going to happen. But then after, Literally. yeah, after, uh, well, during my junior year, when I hurt my back, um, I was like, okay, I got to, I got to transition into knowing more than just running. Like I need to understand more about rehab, more about injury prevention, strength and conditioning, nutrition, all of that. So I kind of shifted at that point and that's kind of what drew me to Baylor for grad school and, and all that. But man, there's times where I'm still like, I need to go back to high school or, or maybe college coaching. I, I think I would love it, but it's kind of hard to just be like, because I love what I do now with, yeah. with, I work with high school athletes. I work with middle school athletes. I work with adult athletes. Most, most of the adult athletes are triathletes and marathoners and half marathoners and stuff like that. So I still get long sports like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I still get to keep one foot in that kind of in the running community or in the endurance community, but then I still get to train high school football players and softball players and basketball players and anything and everything in between, which I love, but yeah. like I could never leave that because I love it, but I still want to, I still want to coach some runners. It's hard because <laughs> running is different. Like running is that, you know, like I've played every sport you can think of and, and I, I love sports. I love all of them, but like running is a different community. You know, it's a different perspective in running than I think what you might find in basketball or football or baseball. And, and, uh, you know, it's like some, you know, you talk about like Nick Schweikert, right? Like ran for a rival college, ran for a rival high school for me. I mm -hmm. ran, I raced him. I remember when he moved to Beaver Creek and I was like, Oh, like they needed another good. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, so definitely, uh, it's just a different, your rivals become your closest friends sometimes. And it's, it's just very yeah. interesting. Uh, so, you know, but I think keep talking. Think, My battery just came unplugged. Give me one second. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, Jed. Uh, <laughs> I think you know. At the end of the day, like um, you know, coaching is coaching. Like you're, you, we coach to help people. And and I think if you're uh, if you're helping people of any age, and you're you know that you're still coaching. It's just a different environment than what you're in. And um, you know, I think you're I think you're doing good work, man. I I love to see. You know, you talk about how far I've come and how far I've grown. You've done the same, man. You've come a long way since you did that little uh, curly-headed rat pro <laughs> kid that I ran Junior Olympics with, too. So I, I couldn't be more proud. I, I can't tell you how many of these podcasts I've sat through and uh, some of them better than others. But, uh, but I, you know, I enjoy watching them. And, I, and the, the, the people that you have on here and the different things they're talking about, it's, it's fun to watch. So uh, yeah. I've been proud of you. So. Sweet. Well, if anybody's curious – the first person to be accepted into a PhD program was this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually got accepted into uh, the PhD program at East Tennessee State, um, which was like the best in applied sport physiology. Yeah. And then, cool. yeah. And then they were like, oh, we don't have any money. Just kidding. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. Well, thanks for letting me know these were the classes I was going to teach and these were my research responsibilities and all this stuff, but it was a money issue. So I was like, all right, well, uh, that's too bad. Never mind. Yeah. That was well, back. There's always like, room later on. Not yeah. Dead dream, you know what I that's mean? Right. And it's not, it's certainly not a race and, uh, you're, you're, well, it was a race. This operation. So it was a race and I lost. So <laughs> I was trying we to actually, beat my mom. Hey, we raced the ETSU. So yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, I got to run the four by eight there. Remember that? Yeah, that, was a, that was the butt of some jokes until I ended up with the fastest split on the team. So just saying, I'm going to drop that in there. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> While you we and Judd were running your individual events, too hot shot for the relay. But <laughs> That's right. Indoor thousand. That's right. Baller. That was a fun year. That was a good that year. I didn't have root beer. That entire cross-country and indoor season and i told my mom, what a sacrifice it, it was huge for me man like you have no idea <laughs> it's gonna make me cry just thinking about it uh, <laughs> but as soon as i finished 
Yeah. As soon as I finished, my mom was like, hey, here's a two liter of mug. And I was like, <laughs> thank you. This is amazing. So uh, that was a weird track. They had, they had one of those like, it was like 287 meters or something like that. It was a straight. Yeah, yeah. So I had no idea where I was that whole race. I was just yeah. like, okay, I'm just running for my life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, couldn't so tell sick. your splits because it was like every hundred was like it. Yeah. <laughs> they had that guy awesome. running around with that 400 split paddle, and I could never find him. I was like, all right, yeah. whatever, man. <laughs> I'm hopeful. Pretty sure the people running the race were faster than he was able to get across. So plus, <laughs> how how would you know? Like you got to be so confused. Like, it's like, oh, now I go over here, and then no. I don't yeah, think so. he's just got to be an expert at ETSU split markings. I don't know. It's crazy. Quite Absolutely. the role to have. Quite the job to have that guy. Seriously. So, what uh, what do you consider like your primary role as a coach and leader? Yeah, I think you know. Um, I think at the end of the day, my job is to develop young men and women. You know, and uh, I can't remember who said it, but there's this quote out there, and I'm sure if you Google it, it's probably by somebody way more famous than either of us, but. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, how's your team? And the guy's like, or how do you feel about your team? And the coach is like, I don't know, ask me in 20 years, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, just saying that, like, athletic championships, athletic goals are short-lived, mm-hmm. but developing people of character and developing people of strength and and, and grace and, and compassion, like, that's that to me is uh, the, my primary role. I mean, I coach um, the 800 meters and up, here and I coach uh, the hurdles as well and um, you know but uh, ultimately I coach student athletes who need guidance and who need leadership and who need love and who need compassion and uh, to me that's my number one role that's my number one responsibility gotcha gotcha so along those lines what are the most important factors uh that you have to consider when coaching collegiate athletes? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people think, like, it's so easy to watch football on Saturday and think, oh, man, I can't believe he missed that tackle or why can't he make that pass or whatever. But, you know, people got to realize what these athletes go through. I mean, I've got athletes taking 18 credit hours and balancing cross country and indoor and outdoor. A lot of them work. A lot of them... Mm -hmm. Uh, are involved in other things on campus and it's it's difficult it's a challenging thing you have to really be uh excellent at time management excellent at um uh, balancing you know workloads uh to to be a college athlete especially at the division one level mm-hmm. and you know so when i think of like what my role is my role is to help them manage their time to help them uh balance their expectations uh, in a way that allows them to be successful both in the classroom and on the track. And that looks different for every person and it looks different mm-hmm. for every athlete. Gotcha. So what are like the biggest issues that you have to deal with, um, either on a daily basis or, um, or just kind of not necessarily stuff that reoccurs, but like, what are, what are the big problems that you've had to deal with as a collegiate coach? Yeah, I think, you know, there's two things that come to mind. The first one is injuries, right? Like in, in distance running, especially you're always banged up. There's always something going on. You know that I know that we've been there. Uh, so managing that and, and trying to find ways to, uh, help those athletes stay healthy, get stronger, deal with those strength imbalances and strength deficiencies. Um, you know, like I said, on top of their already hectic schedules, because rehab is just another addition to uh, already crazy schedules for these athletes. And then mm-hmm. the second thing is, um, you know, mental health. Like our our student athletes are, we ask so much of them all the time. They're so taxed all the time that, um, you know, sometimes they just need to vent. Sometimes they just need to talk. Sometimes they just need a coach to be there for them, uh, to listen, to help them, um you know, through whatever issue is going on that week, either with school or with their families or with running, or maybe they didn't run as well as they'd hoped that meet or whatever. And, um, so I try to be that guy. I try to be available, uh, to them. I live 
really close to campus. I live less than a mile from uh, my office. Uh, that's mm-hmm. intentional. That's not we. My wife and I intentionally uh, live close uh, for that reason, so that we can be uh, available uh, at any hour. And so mm-hmm. uh, that probably the most common issues would be, you know, like I said, like kids needing an opportunity to vent, somebody to listen to them, somebody to understand them, and mm-hmm. uh, show them compassion and love. Gotcha. So how do you make yourself as effective as possible in doing all of those things? Like what, uh, what do you do like for you to make sure that you're always, you know, you wake up every morning and you're fresh and you want to do those things? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it just comes down to motivation and like, you know, I, I constantly like refocus myself. Like I, I, I spend a lot of time in prayer for each of my athletes every morning. I'm in prayer for my team, for my athletes, for my, for our coaches, for our uh, athletic department staff. Um, and then when I come to work, you know, I'll have a list of things to do. And I, I literally will write out like a to-do list of things to do. And mm-hmm. I never get through that list ever in a day because uh, other things come up. And so for me, it's about flexibility and it's about, um, you know, making sure that you're putting out the big fires first and, and addressing the major concerns before you start worrying about uh, the, the minor details. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think listening to the athletes, talking to them, you know, sometimes you'll get to a practice and you have a workout scheduled for that day and the kids will show up and you can just tell they're just not ready to go for whatever reason. Like they're, they're gassed, mm-hmm. they're something's going on, you know, whether it's finals or midterms or there was some event on campus or, or whatever. And you've got to be able to read your athletes and read the room and, and just kind of see like, Hey, you know, this isn't going to work today and, and, and adjust and, and be flexible. But otherwise, like, I mean, anybody can write a training plan, and, you know, read it off to their kids every week. That doesn't, that's not coaching. And you've got to be able to, um, to adapt and to, uh, manage the athletes that you have you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's different here and it might be different for the same athlete year to year you know mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, just being flexible adjusting those things so i think for me being as effective as possible means meeting my athletes where they are and uh and going from there and not trying to set standards by which they have to meet right now instead of uh individualized attention and training gotcha so almost like the training comes secondary to to addressing like life needs or or whatever's going on in their life first. Make sure that's taken care of. Well, then you can I train. I, yeah, but I also think too. Look, running is simple, right? Like like I think people make running out to be more complicated than it is. At the end of the day, man, and I use this analogy all the time, right? If you want to get better at shooting free throws, what do you do? You get in the gym, you stand on the free throw line, and you chuck up a bunch of free throws. You know yeah. what I mean? And mm-hmm. and unless you're Shaq, then you're probably going to get better at it, you know? <laughs> and I think running is the same way. At the end of the day, you got to get out and you got to pound pavement, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know me. I'm a mileage guy. I, I believe in my – I mean, I my highest mileage weeks as an athlete were in the 160s. You know, uh, I, I firmly believe that the more you run, the better you get. Now, there's limits, obviously. I don't want to take a kid running 20 miles a week and jump him into running 80 miles a week. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But you progressively handle more and more as you address other strength and balances and things. And, and as you can comfortably increase your mileage, people get better. That's just a that's that's how aerobic training works. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, so I'm a firm believer in in a mileage based system. My athletes are somewhere around 80 miles a week for my top guys. Uh, my women are 65 or so uh, at the top end. And then, you know, my some people obviously on the roll up. The training is important. But I tell my athletes that the training is the easy part. You get to show up to practice, turn your brain off, do whatever I tell you to do, and then you can go back to thinking after that. But I don't need you to think at practice. I need you to run. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a whole different, like, to me, that's what that's what helped me in college the most is ha- knowing I had that like two or three hour block every day where coach was going to give me a time, and all I had to do was focus on running that time, and that was mm-hmm. it. And yep. it's it's almost it's almost more simple than people think it should be. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and so uh, so I'm not going to say those things come secondary to training, but I do think that like life is bigger than athletics, and you can't you can't gauge somebody's 
um, effort, somebody's uh, performance, if you don't understand all of the things that are going on in their life. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So yep. like, you, you can't possibly create the most effective training plan for your athlete if you don't know that they're struggling with sleep. If, if you don't know that like they're not eating correctly. If you don't mm-hmm. know that like they're taking 18 hours a semester and they don't have a whole, you know what I mean? You've got mm-hmm. to understand all of those things in order to understand volume management, load management for your athletes. For sure. So that that's what I mean when I say I, I, I certainly don't want to take away. I'm you you know me. I love training. I love running. I think for me, I probably love training as much as I love racing. I mean, I just it, it's my favorite part. I, I love the process of running and, and becoming a better mm-hmm. runner. But um, but in that process is understanding all of the things that go into like load management. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, there's a whole lot more variables than just did you show up today? Like, yeah. <laughs> two hours a day does not make a runner. Like you can, yeah. anybody can make a practice and then not live the lifestyle outside of that. And so it's got to mm-hmm. be a combination of both. Distance running is a lifestyle, man. It's not a, you know that it's not a, it's not something you can just show up and practice two hours a day and then go drink root beer all day. You know what I mean? You've got to, you've got to invest, you've got to sacrifice it. And you've got to, as a coach, you've got to know who's making those sacrifices and who isn't and what needs to be done to get better from there. So. For sure. Yeah. I think, like you said, it's it is pretty simple. Like it's so easy to make things more complicated because it's like you can yeah. talk about foot strike, you can talk about power output, you can talk about stride length and stride frequency, and you can top side mechanics, bottom side mechanics, front side mechanics, back side mechanics, total volume, uh, the zones that you're training in. Uh, quality over quantity like there's so much you can talk about but at the end of the day like you said uh you want to get better at running you you have to run and so if you're running you're probably going to get better at running and uh i mean it's it people do they try to make and listen we use training zones we use heart rate zones and Mm -hmm. and and we talk about cadence and once a month i have my athletes do a long run on a treadmill uh, to work on cadence and to work on mental toughness and, and just so they understand like how to run at a pace at a rhythm, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and progressively get faster and I can control their paces and things like that. So I don't want to, I don't want to diminish those things. Mm-hmm. Right. But the thing is, is if you get so lost in those details that you can't see that, Hey, that kid that you want to go run 18 miles at six thirty pace today, just had a midterm last night. And like, you know, is, is running on two hours of sleep. If you can't mm-hmm. see those things, then it really doesn't matter what your training plan says because they're not going to get right. through it. For sure. So they, like, when we're talking about priorities, right, which there's a great, you know, th- the word priorities is kind of a misnomer, right? Because, like, you couldn't, even, you couldn't even pluralize the word priority until, like, 50 years ago. It was just priority. There was no such thing as multiple priorities. It doesn't make sense. It's a, it's a, it's a contradiction in itself, right? Mm-hmm you can only ever have one priority at a time, right? You can't have multiple priorities. Priority literally means the most important thing in front of you right now. So like the most important thing to you. So you can only ever have one. And so it's important to understand what the priority is at that moment. And Mm -hmm. your priority is either the workout or the athlete, but it can't be both. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like you've got to focus on the athlete first and adapt your training plan to their circumstance, right? That's Mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. I don't want to diminish... The, the heart the, the zones and uh, you know the, the training load and things like that I don't want to diminish the, the strength work that we do in the weight room but there are yeah. things that are more important than that when it comes to overall performance I totally agree yeah I think the way you just worded it you can you can focus on the athlete or you can focus on the workout that's whew, that's heavy that's some serious stuff hey, that man, might be knowledge you know what I'm saying? that might be the <laughs> smartest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> Well, uh, but, take much, so. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. It's good stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to think about that quite a bit because that's, that's what I have to do when I'm, when I'm programming out strength and conditioning or injury prevention or, or return to, to running programming for an athlete who's been in a, you know, in a boot or in a cast or in a brace, whatever the case may be, when I have to get them back to where they can run, it'd be easy to just be like, I don't know, I'll just program out. This is really simple. It's just, they're not doing anything. So 
they want to get back to doing something, so you just yeah. take steps to get there. But it's, well, you know, what's their job like? What's well, their family nice life like? It'd be nice if track was a math equation, right? And, like, you yeah. could just say, well, if you run this many miles, you'll run this time. Like, exactly. you know, solve for X or whatever, you know? But yeah. it doesn't it doesn't work like that. And there are so many more variables to it than that. And so, you mm-hmm. know, like I said, your priority, one, singular priority has to be the athlete. And then everything else is secondary to that. And mm-hmm. if, if that's the way that you coach, then I think not only will you see better results uh, as an athlete, but I think, you know, for that for that individual athlete, but I think you'll see better results for your relationship with that athlete, too, because you'll understand more about what's going on in their lives, more about what's uh, impacting them both positively and negatively. And you'll be able to make a more effective training plan and a more effective and more effective training decision. You know? mm-hmm. For sure. I totally agree. So now that you're done with the Ph.D., and you probably have a little more free time to, you know, read <laughs> yep. read something that's not related specifically to you finishing your PhD. What what are you focusing on learning right now? I've I've been really big into um, just reading up on like leadership practices and and leadership ideas. I really love Simon Sinek. If you haven't checked out his work, check it out. Um, you know, just but really diving into, um, like I said, things relating to improving leadership and, and improving uh, leadership development. And so uh, excited about that. Uh, one, of the, one of the committee members on my dissertation committee is uh, Dr. Jeff O'Brien over at Central Florida, who leads the NCA Leadership Forum. And uh, so I, I, I read through his dissertation, which was a, a qualitative uh, a work that was pretty interesting when it comes to uh, perceptions in, in student athletes on, on leadership and um, but I, you know might have the opportunity to go work here either this year or next year down at the leadership forum and, and kind of see things from that perspective too which is nice and, mm-hmm. but he was very complimentary of my work and definitely some things relating to leadership development practices are, are kind of you know where my focus has been recently. So. Gotcha so even though it was probably like 25 hours of your 24 hour day. You're not, you're not sick of it. Well, I think the thing is like, I, I'm, I'm probably pretty sick of reading what I wrote. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Cause uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's certainly not a fiction novel or something that's like exciting to read. It's pretty dull stats. And, and uh, you know, I don't think I want to be doing any more multivariate regression modeling anytime soon, but like, uh, you know, I think becoming a better leader is important for me as a coach. It's important for uh, me to understand so I can help my athletes become a better leader. And you know what I mean? I, I think like the more you know, you know what I mean? We're going straight PBS, like 1990, the more you know with the star. With the star, you know yeah. Like, and like the and, rainbow and, colors. And... Yeah, yeah. And it kind of goes ding, back ding, to what ding. I said. Like, I just, I don't like not knowing things. I don't like not understanding things. And so, I just try to find more and more ways to um, understand leadership so that I can help teach my athletes and, and guide my athletes uh, moving forward, you know, because I want to set them up. Yeah. Like I said, I had such a formative and positive experience in college that it changed who I am and who people perceive me to be. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think everybody has that at some point. Like, you're not the same person as an adult as you were as a kid. And yep. so, like you know, you're, you're, you become a better version of yourself. And so I, I'm trying to hopefully present knowledge and present literature in a way that my athletes can take that and, and grow and move forward as well. Gotcha. No, I think that says a lot that like, I, I know quite a few people who in my industry went from master's degree into a PhD program. And quite a few of them were just like, all right, as soon as I'm done with this, I'm, I don't want to have to read anything about any of this stuff for months, maybe ever, right? Like they're just, they're so sick of it at that point that they're just like, okay, I want a break. And then there's other people who are like, like you said, they didn't think they were going to finish it. And like people that I was like, oh my gosh, of course you're going to be Dr. So-and-so. Like, yeah, that's who you're supposed to be. Like me, clearly. I was always going to be Dr. You're all, always. <laughs> 
always. <laughs> <laughs> but like plenty of people were like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. And so, um, yeah, like it, it's probably very, very good that you're like, no, like that was that. I still have to know this stuff to be as effective as possible. And so that I can, you know, have as much influence, positive influence over these athletes as possible. So I think it, I think it comes down to your motivation. Like, why are you doing the things that you're doing? If you're doing your doctorate just to get your doctorate, just so people have to call you doctor and you could be like all pretentious, then sure. But if you're, if you're studying this stuff because you're like, for me, I'm studying this. I, I went through this program because I wanted to be a better coach and I wanted to be able to, uh, provide better information and better knowledge for my athletes. And so mm -hmm. that doesn't go away just because they give me some piece of paper that says that I'm, you know, smart now, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't like, think it says that. Yeah. It, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have it yet, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying like, I don't, it's not, it's certainly not so that I could put like some credentials at the end of my, you know, name on my resume or whatever. I, I could care less yeah. about any of that. It's just yeah. now I have, I, I have an impact and improve knowledge and I can continue to improve that. And that, that was never for a degree, never for a program, never for a professor. That was for me. That was for me and my athletes and my program. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's the goal is to just keep learning and keep getting better and keep moving forward and hopefully keep becoming a better coach, you know, and, and right. cause I don't think you can ever be satisfied with where you're at. You know, I don't think you can ever say like, Oh, I'm the best coach there is and I could never get any smarter because the minute you get there, you need to stop coaching. Like the minute yeah. you think that you know everything and nobody can teach you anything is when you need to get out of it because you've lost it, you know? Yeah. So um, hopefully, I don't know, maybe my athletes will tell you that I'm just a nut job. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> they, they seem to like me. So uh, well, that's, good. And, that's and important. We, you know, we run well and, and we're running, we're getting better every year and, and every day and every week. And so, um, you know, hopefully those things are coming through. But I think more than their results on the track, I think they know that I love them and I care about them. And I think that that's as important as anything uh, that we can do as, as coaches. So, mm -hmm. I like it. Well, let's uh, let's start to close things out. How can people follow you, find you, reach out to you, ask you questions? All yeah, that. man. So, uh, oruathletics.com. Uh, all my contact information is on there. Um, Twitter at, at Coach J Herbert, uh, I think. I don't really know. I'm not so good at social media. I'm on Instagram, too. Don't ask me what my username is because I don't know. I'll, but, I'll find all that and put it in the show notes. So. One, of my, one of my athletes actually made my Instagram for me because I'm, like, completely illiterate when it comes to that. So um, find me on Facebook. Absolutely. And I, I love talking to coaches. It's, it's amazing how many – young coaches that are trying to get into coaching that reach out to me uh every year and um it's cool i love talking to uh to young aspiring coaches i love talking to student athletes prospective student athletes and so um always open to that and if any of your viewers are interested in anything i have to say because they clearly didn't get the memo uh then i'd be glad to talk to any of them and, uh, but man I, I i appreciate you having me so much i, I love uh what you're doing with this podcast and look forward to seeing uh, more iterations of it with um, higher level uh, interviewees. <laughs> but uh, man, it's good catching up with you, Kev. Likewise, man. It's been good. I knew I knew we would have a few laughs. So if nothing else, that's that's important. So um, have any uh, any advice for anybody listening? Any anything? that's uh on your heart or mind that you feel is worthwhile to share right now yeah uh, you know i would just say to wrap things up man like if, if if people take anything from this interview or from what i say which i don't know why anybody would listen to me about anything but if they did uh <laughs> i would say i would say you know the two things are like you, you know put the athlete first and then um you know, Colossians 323, like work hard at everything as if you're working for God and not for men. And if, if, man, if you can do those two things, like that's my life verse, man. I just believe that like at the end of the day, like my work is not for me. It's not for you. It's for a higher purpose. And if we work like that every day, that people are going to see that they're going to respect it. And your work is going to be of a higher form. So mm. uh, hopefully that comes through in the things that, the things that I do here, obviously, or you being a, a intentional Christian school is a little different than most of your division one universities, which is why I love working here. Um, 
but at the end of the day, that's got to be the focus. And so, uh, God first, athlete second, everything else then. You know what I mean? And, uh, that's how it goes in my mind. So, yeah. perfect, awesome, man. Well, thanks again. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm sure everybody watching and listening has as well. So, we will uh, we'll get you on again in the future to talk about some more fun stuff, Dude, running and awesome. Anytime, love it, Sweet. pleasure. Awesome. Alrighty, y'all. Catch you later. Peace.